Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road Church in Guildford, UK. Thank you for joining us on the journey, wherever you are in the world. You can find out more about who we are and what we're up to at EmmausRoad.com. We um, have got the amazing Josh Heather with us tonight, who is um, the pastor of Emmaus Road Woking. So Josh, you want to come and join us? Um, Hi, Josh. Um, do you want to grab John's mic and then we can have a little chat? Um, so for those of you who haven't met um, Josh yet, he is amazing and he's been part of this community ever since coming to um, lead our church plant over in Woking. Um, so many of you will know that we've been on a really exciting journey as a church of church planting and um, we sent a whole bunch of people from here but also planted in with a community that was already there in Woking and, um, and Josh has been leading the charge so it's been amazing. Um, Josh, I just wondered before you speak if you could just, I mean we've been praying for you guys and we'd love to hear a little bit about what's going on but I also wanted to just ask the big question, which is, um, why did we church plant in Woking? Why did we do it? Why? Mm. Um, well, evening, everyone. Good evening. It's very nice to be here. Pretty nice to be at a gathering where you're not like having to hold it all in your mind what's going on. So it's nice to come here and just enjoy the worship rather than be like checking is everything all right. So uh, uh, really enjoyed it. Um, why did we plan into Woking? Well, uh, it all started uh, for me in January when I got a text from Pete Gregg saying, uh, could you come and have a beer with me on the Isle of Wight? Uh, so uh, me and my wife Emma, we got on a ferry and we went over to the Isle of Wight and we uh, sat in cows. Uh, we had a beer, and he basically just shared with me this vision that Emmaus Road had, which was to um, that the church here had grown, um, you know, really just accelerated in growth, uh, moved out of the electric theatre into Volano. That was getting big. It was getting big in here. And um, they just basically told me the story that they kind of, as a core team, they put a, uh, like, they got a map out, and then they drew a circle. It was basically like half an hour from... Guildford in a car like drew a circle around that. So it was half an hour to get to any place and just looked at the towns that were in that geogra geographical area and uh, were like, we would love to just plant five... Ch well, I actually won't say how many I want to do because I think it might be a bit slower than what it was initially said because <laughs> planting in Woking has been great, but um, it's been harder work than maybe what we all thought. Um, but basically it was that with all the people that are coming is the goal isn't to just be a mega church like what you'd have in America where people travel for like two hours to get to church. Um, it doesn't necessarily work in the UK. It was like we actually want to be a local church that's present in local areas. And so uh, Woking was one of those places where they, um, as a team, just thought rather than people kind of traveling into Guildford, we just want to be present. And so that's why Woking, as I understood it, that's the dream that got sold to me, and that's what me and Emma and Jackson all said yes to. That's awesome. And what now that you're here and you're kind of getting stuck into the church planting, what would you say is your your vision for what you want to see happen in Woking? Um, so the vision, and this, when I say it, it kind of feels like I'd love to have uh, a vision that maybe is slightly more poetic and just uh, like sounds better on like one of these <laughs> videos in slow-mo and with someone bursting out of water, uh, if you remember the gathering one. I'd rather a vision that sounded like that, but to be honest, the vision for Woking is that I want Emmaus Road Woking to be somewhere where people can't find their place. And to be honest, uh, re like quite recently there's been 
in our family, um, our our auntie actually died this week. Uh, uh, so me and dad, it was our dad's sister. She she passed away. She's only forty five, really ill uh, with diabetes. And um, yeah, so we I'm going down on Saturday to help like sort our house out and all that. And she was someone who's just really lonely. And I feel like sometimes when you say, "What is your vision for Woking?" is um, if the church existing there meant that in Woking there was no loneliness, then I feel like we'd do a great job. Now, that doesn't always sound legit. Like, you know, we were at Bethel Church and their vision, one of it, I mean, it was a massive like, vision, but their vision for Beth for Reading was that it would be a cancer-free zone, which is amazing, and that's what they're going after, just seeing like healings all the time. You know, what's on my heart at the moment is probably because of what's happened this week, but what would it look like if Woking was a loneliness-free zone? that people were just not lonely anymore and that they found friends and they found their place. And if that meant on a Sunday morning, then great. But if it meant through the week and all different things. and um, So to be honest, that's kind of what's going on in me at the moment. That's awesome. And um, you guys have been going for a little while now. Yep. What um, would you say would be some of the highlights so far? Um, yeah, so we got commissioned... Uh, sometime in September, I think the 10th of September. So we started gathering on the 18th. Um, that was a spike in attendance of like 85. And then we were kind of tracking on like 60, 70. Um, and then on a Sunday, we got to, on our carol service, we, were, we, we broke the 100 mark. So we had 100 people show up. Um, which was also like kids, everyone, and we did this all-age service. It was so fun. Then on Christmas Eve, we had a Chris Dingle service, which if you don't know what that is because um, you're not Anglican. Uh, <laughs> then basically we, we got oranges and we built a Chris Dingle together, which, you know, if you want to know what that is, then uh, you've got all of 2018 to look forward to the Chris Dingle service that we'll do again next year. So come on, you're all invited. Be quite a squash in the lighthouse. Um, so, uh, yeah, getting up to 100 just felt really fun. Um, we um, had to be strategic in, as a church plan, like what we did and how we did it. So to make the Sunday happen, we had to figure out our worship team and how it was going to work. So loads of help from Pete Burton, who's here somewhere. Just amazing how much work Pete and Rich did to help kind of get us rolling with, with worship every Sunday. Um, the other thing that we had to sort out was our kids' work. So I think Jess is here. Loads of help from Jess and and Matt, if he's here as well. Um, but what's really exciting is we've just launched four collectives. So uh, we've got four collectives going on. Um, we, uh, a highlight was we did an alpha course, and we did a daytime course uh, in the lighthouse. And uh, just a story. If you get the Emmaus Road email, um, then you might have heard this story if you read your email. Um, I know some of you don't, because um, we can check. Uh, so... Um, <laughs> But basically on there, there was a testimony of um, something that happened with our Alpha course. So there was this guy, he said like, we can put his name in the email, so I'll give it to you now. Um, his name's Rosario, and basically before Alpha even started, um, I was chatting to someone else in the Lighthouse. If you don't know what the Lighthouse is, it's this amazing building in Woking that um, a couple called Eric and Rebecca have just completely transformed into this like center of social transformation. It's got all this awesome stuff in there, which I can't go into now. But basically, one of the things it's got in there is a coffee shop. And I was in this coffee shop chatting to uh, this guy, and Rosario overheard me say to him that I was a pastor. Uh, so as I walk past him on the stairs, he says to me, did you say you're a pastor? And I'm like, yes, I did. Um, 
And uh, he's like, I need to talk to you. I'm like, cool. Uh, here? <laughs> he's like, no, no. So, so we go, I take him back into the coffee shop. And we go out onto the decking. And uh, we're outside. And he basically just starts to tell me about his life. And he just starts to talk about um, just he's in this really tricky like situation with a relationship. And um, he's kind of telling me it's quite confusing what he was saying. But he's kind of trying to say that he lives for Jesus because he knew that I was a pastor. And basically, as he's talking, I realize that he's... He's trying to live for Jesus, but he doesn't really know what that means, and he's never encountered Holy Spirit. So I say, Rosario, just pause for a second. Um, because basically trying to live for Jesus without Holy Spirit is like trying to drive a car with no petrol. It's just really hard, and you're not going to go anywhere. So I'm like, what we need to do, Rosario, is... And I gave him some advice, gave him some wisdom on what to do with this, this relationship. I was like, Jesus says that you yes be yes, you no be no. Be confident in what you're saying and follow through on it and la, la, la. So give him the advice, do the pastoral bit. Now the apostle bit. I'm like, what we need to do is you need to get filled with Holy Spirit. And also, your, one of your legs is short than the other one, isn't it? And he's like, how do you know that? I'm like, well, because I'm filled with Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he's told me that one of your legs is short than the other one. And he wants to grow it out right now. He's like, right? So I'm like, come over here. Let's sit here. So he sits down. And, uh, and, and, I, and I, like, I'm like, look at this. And I push on one of his legs. And... Um, I'm like, not cheating, obviously you can cheat, pull the show off, and they were like, yeah, you're done. Um, but I'm like, in Jesus' name, grow, and, and, and his leg just starts to grow, and I'm like, can you feel that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, it's pulling. And uh, I'm like, obviously, amen, stop there. I'm like, so he's like, what? <laughs> okay, that's, that's good. Um, I'm like, right, now let's um, get you filled with Holy Spirit. He's like, Okay, so I'm like, put your hands out in front of you, and as I pray, you're just going to feel the presence of God, and that's Holy Spirit just encountering you. I'm like, for some people, they get hot, some people get it cold, some people, it feels like electricity. I'm like, we're just going to pray and see what happens. So I pray for him, and I just invite Holy Spirit, and he says yes to that. And he basically just gets filled with Holy Spirit in the cozy coffee shop. He's like shaking a bit. He's like, what is this? I'm like, you're, just, you're plugged into the power source. You're plugged into the power source that created all of this is our bodies sometimes react to it. So just totally pastoring a little mini revival with this guy. So at the end of this conversation, I say to him, um, Rosario, it'd be really good now that you've been healed and filled with the Holy Spirit or encountered Holy Spirit. Would you like to do an alpha course <laughs> to kind of explain what's happened to you? And uh, He's like, yeah, so he did the Alpha course, and we tracked all the way through it. He came on Holy Spirit Day and started speaking in tongues. It's just amazing. So this guy's just got it all. And then he came up to me on the Christmas Day service, and he had written this like Christmas card to, 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 me, to, to, to us, to, to me and him. And he's just like, thank you so much for this last couple of months. He's like, I love it. And I, and I, he didn't actually say I found my place. It would have been so poetic if he'd said it, because it's like, well, that would have gone really well in my book when I write one. Um, but he'll definitely be in it, because his story was just amazing. So Rosario is definitely a highlight for me. <laughs> so good. Thank you, Joshua. Well, we're going to um, leave some face to hear more amazing stories and what you've got to share with us. But um, I'm really struck by that that vision actually for working and I would really love for us to pray that um so why don't you just wherever you're sitting just stretch out a hand towards Josh and um you can say it in your heart you can say it out loud and then I'm going to pray for him but I want us to just pray um and, and we're focusing our prayers on Josh but we want to pray for Woking for the the town of Woking that there that it would be a loneliness free zone all right let's go let's go after this 
Yeah, God, we thank you that the message of your gospel is a message of sonship and adoption into family. And so we thank you for this vision for Woking. We thank you for um, Josh and the team in Woking here going after inviting an entire town into family, into the family of God. And we want to pray for the work and ask that you would bless it and multiply everything that you're doing there, God. We want to ask for an increase on everything that you're doing. And God, we pray for Josh now as he shares with us that you would give him your words to speak. We want to hear from you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'll stop using John's mic. Thanks for bringing your own mic, John. Um, so, yeah, if you've got uh, a Bible, then why don't you uh, get it open? Uh, if you haven't, then just share with the Christian next to you. It's a joke, right? It's Alpha Sunday, so there might be guests here, which are super welcome. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you... If you just, we'll read a little bit of scripture today, because it's always good to get the Bible open. So why don't we uh, go to Genesis 1, Proverbs 13, and Matthew 4. That'd be good. So just put your finger in, in those, and uh, yeah, that's what we'll go after. Um, something that, um, I mean, I actually love that song, the, the one about overflow, Let It Overflow. Yeah, it was the first time I actually heard it when we went to the gathering. And um, to be honest, I am like, I love sharing my faith and I love being around situations where we get to share our faith with people. And I know for some of us, it can feel like super scary. Um, One thing that I just want to release over you is just the confidence that your social skills are amazing. And that's one of the biggest things that we lean on when we do evangelism. It's just that we can think, I don't really know what to say, is that you're really good at talking to people. And you're actually going to be really good at evangelism. Um, and one of the things I felt like God said to me over the weekend, something that he said to me quite a while ago, something that, that this guy shared with me, but he's just bringing it up this weekend. And he said, um, people have misunderstood their calling, and that's why they get discouraged. I was like, okay, God, what do you mean by that? And he says, well, I've called you guys to be light. I'm like, yeah. He says, so don't be surprised when you're around loads and loads of darkness. Because that's where I want you to be. And I was like, okay. And I, just, and I felt like he started to talk to me. And he started to say, the thing is, is that I actually really trust you guys to be in dark situations. Because I actually want you to be light. And I just feel like God was saying to me, and he's just wanting to commission. I shared it this morning in Woking. But I just want to share it here tonight. Is that the reason why you guys are surrounded by darkness isn't because you're doing anything wrong and you're like, wow, God, you're just so testing me. Why are you planted me here? It's because he trusts you more than you trust yourself. And actually he's put you there because he knows what you carry and he's kind of not wanting circumstances to tell you who you are. He's wanting you to tell your circumstances who your God is. And so just release that over you, just a confidence that you're going to be in some really dark situations this year. And that's good because you're light. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Now, um, before we go into the Bible, I just want to tell you a quick story. So uh, my top love language is words of affirmation. So after the service, if you want to give me some feedback, then you're awesome. You know, that's going to be good. And uh, thanks, Bill. So are you. Um, So uh, basically, in the last 18 months, I've received some feedback from two kind of big parts of my life. My wife has given me some feedback, and 
the people who I line managed at the church I worked for before moving up here, which was a church in Hampshire. Um, I was there. If I'd stayed till August last year, it would have been three years. So um, I was there, and I, one of my, kind of my role was to oversee all the kids' work and the youth work. And so I had people who worked to me. And uh, the more confident they got with me, the more like, kind of freely they offered feedback. Now, I'm totally up for feedback, but I do always want the hero sandwich, okay? Which is quite clear. I mean, if you don't know what it is, it's pretty easy. The hero sandwich is basically, you're awesome, that's the bread. Then you get to the meat, which is maybe the thing that you're trying to call someone out on. But then you always finish with another bit of bread, which is, you're awesome, Okay? So we can all do that, and actually in here, it'd be great to offer feedback to each other, because you want to be family, like Hannah's saying, and part of family is calling each other out on stuff that you're like, do you want to some, you know, you're actually way more awesome than that. So the way we do that is the hero sandwich. Okay, so my wife knows that, that that's how I like feedback, and the guys who I was working with kind of got that. However, towards the end of being there, they were like, Josh, can we just chat to you? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like... You're actually pretty controlling. I'm like, thanks. He says, you're actually um, working for you is actually quite tough sometimes because you're like full of ideas, full of strategy, you know, really encouraging. You're like chatting about what we could do with the youth work and the kids' work and the Sunday gatherings. And they're all like, you know, this is really awesome. Um, but you kind of say, let's do this. And then we're like, okay. And we're starting to think about how we could do it. And then you just give us all the ideas. And then you tell us really clearly exactly how we should do it. And then you're not really happy when it doesn't go exactly how you said. I'm like, well, okay. Some honest feedback. Thanks. I'll take that away. And then, so I said to Em, I'm like, kind of the guys at St. Tom's are telling me that I'm pretty controlling. And, you know, not that easy to work for sometimes. They're like, Em's like, to be honest, Josh, you are a little bit controlling sometimes. I'm like, okay. She said, you're actually a nightmare to be in the car with because you're so clear on what should be happening. She's like, I hate it when you're the passenger and I'm driving, which is why you always drive because you want to be in control. I'm like, whoa, okay. Uh, There you go, thanks. Guessing you'll be needing that back. Um, And then she goes, "Um, the the other thing that you do is that um, you can do this thing where I'm talking to you and I'm telling you about what's going on in work and in family and just telling you about some of the things that are going on. And then you will kind of jump in and you'll say exact loads of advice of exactly how you should deal with it. And I'm just like, Em, this is what you should do. do, do, do that will sort it out. Da, 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 that. There you go. All done. She's like, to be honest, Josh, I actually didn't want you to tell me exactly what to do. I just was trying to talk to you, connect with you, share what's going on. Uh, and that was it. I'm like... <laughs> I'm a guy, so I'm like, why are you talking to me then? I thought this was about advice and getting solutions and moving forward. Uh, She's like, no, I just wanted to talk to you. Now, the thing about that, we are going somewhere, we will get into the Bible, is both those stories are about my strengths being overemphasized, which a strength overemphasized can be a weakness. So I am someone who's full of ideas, full of vision. I am someone who actually, one of my top gifts, M, is wisdom. Okay, so you're actually missing out on all this. Okay, I've got all this going on. You're married to it. Okay, so when you tell me your problems, I've got all this going on. She's like, no, I didn't want that. Okay, now the thing is, is that the reason why I'm in these situations is because one of my core values, and we'll talk about core values in a sec, is that I want to be someone who is just improving every environment that I find myself in. 
And so the situation at work and the situation at home is that I've actually just made a decision in my heart that every place I find myself in, I just want to leave it better off than the way I find it. Now, the thing is, is that is really good, but sometimes it can leave me a little bit controlling, want to take charge. Now, let's go after core values for a second, because if you're around me for longer than five minutes, then I would have talked to you about core values. Now, core values, I might have said it last time I was here, but basically, core values are decisions that we make that help us on our path to our destiny. Okay, so if you imagine the wall is my destiny, my destination is that wall, and everything that God's called me to is over there, and this is the pathway, then my core values are basically this line of chairs and this line of chairs. My core values are what help me because as I go on the journey, my emotions will be at times all over the place. And especially for me, I'm pretty emotional. Okay, so my, sometimes, I'm normally I'm up here, Whoa, life's amazing. But sometimes I crash out, and when I crash out, I'm down here. Which is why it's really good that I've told them that my top love language is words of affirmation. So she can tell me I'm awesome and get me back up. So the thing is, is because I'm emotional, and we all are, and it's not wrong to be emotional, it's just bad to have emotions running our life, is I have core values. And from a position of strength, I make decisions that help me from falling off the path to my destiny. So for example, money is a great thing to figure our core values out before we're in the midst of you know, a financial crisis. Okay, so my decision is that I want to be generous, which is great when I've got loads of money which isn't very much. But it's actually hard to have the core value of I want to be generous when you know, my car has got to be fixed at the moment. And I can think, okay, well, I can't be generous this month because I haven't got enough money. Now, obviously, be wise and all that, but generosity. I want to be generous. I want to be a generous person is a decision that I've made. And that is the one that helps, just knocks me back on the path to my destination. Now, this core value about I want to improve every environment that I find myself in is actually straight out of the Bible, if you interpret it the way I interpret it. So if you turn to Proverbs 13, then we'll see what I'm talking about. So Proverbs 13, 22. I've actually got no idea what the time is. What time does this service finish? Just whenever. We just keep going, yeah? Because I'm cooking on gas now. So Proverbs 13, 22. It says in my Bible, a good man or a wise man, let's just make that a good person, a, a wise person, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Now, there's some like really just obvious immediate wisdom in this, that building up a legacy in order to pass it over is wise. And one day, I hope that Jackson, is able, my son, who's four, is able to just inherit something massive from me. That would be awesome to be able to pass something on to him. Legacy feels like a kingdom way of living. Um, and that's great. And that's something for the future. But right now, I'm like, okay, how does that impact me now? And the thing about an inheritance is that every place you go and every person you interact with and then leave, that place or that person is inherited after you've left them. So what I mean by that, and this is the way that we'd explain it to young people. So a few years ago, I was a youth pastor, and um, I'd say to them, right, guys, 
it is a kingdom way of living to leave every environment that you're in better off for you having been there. They'd be like, sorry, there are some young people here. They'd be like, what are you talking about? Uh, I'd be like, well, this is what I'm talking about. I'd say, imagine you're in McDonald's and you get your food and then you take it to your seat and you eat it. When you're finished, is it your job or the person who's paid to be there, is it their job to put it in the bin? And they'd be like, well, well, they are paid to be there, so they could just do it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, and then obviously most of them be like, well, no, it's my job. I'm like, yeah, cool. So it is your job to do it. But what about if you were to not just clear away your tray, but you were to clear away someone else's tray? Oh, that's not really fair. I'm like, well, actually, I think that that is what it looks like to improve the environment that you find yourself in. And they're like, okay, okay. I'm like, well, what about people? So obviously a lot of what we're doing is we're chatting to people who are dating. So I'm chatting to the guys, I'm chatting to the girls. And I was like, a great core value as you step into a dating relationship, which is all about figuring out whether you're going to get married or not. That's, as I understand it, why we date. Not just to kind of get over being lonely in that sense. But we date to see if we're going to get married. So I'm like, okay, well, if they're not going to get married, then we need to step into that moment with a core value of what does it look like to leave that person better off than the way I found them. Which is a really great, great way of stepping into that because the, the fact is, is you might not get married. And so if you don't get married, but you step into it with a core value of I just want to leave you better off, then actually you're going to protect that person's heart rather than kind of load all your insecurity onto them and leave it all just a total mess. Is a way of guarding yourself and guarding them is by saying, I want to leave you better off for having been around me. So we'd say that and they're like, okay, okay, yeah, I'm up for that. And so for me, I'm like, that is what, to be honest, it looks like for me to be a kingdom person is to leave every situation I'm in better off for me having been around there. Now, I feel like that's a great way of interpreting Proverbs 13, but it would be good, I suppose, to check whether it's in the Bible. So why don't we just turn to Genesis 1 and see what's in there. I'm not going to read it all, but let's read a little bit. If you're wondering where it is, page 1. Just a joke. Okay, so Genesis 1 verse 1, it says this, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, just pause there. Don't you just love that the Bible just starts with the kind of understanding that if you're reading this, then you believe in God. It doesn't really offer any apologetics. It doesn't try and prove that God is real or not. It just starts with, in the beginning, God. So that's my attempt at apologetics. So if anyone's here thinking about Alpha, in the beginning, so the Bible is starting with this idea that God exists. So it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, another way of interpreting that, and what's interesting is, um, because verse 3, it then says, and then God said, let there be light. So, verse 2, you've actually already got, there's already something there. Now, a word, that a better word to describe what's going on in verse 2 is that there was chaos, There was chaos, and then God started to speak into the chaos and started to create. Now, I love that. I love the fact that God speaks into the midst of chaos and brings order. 
which is actually why it's so powerful what kind of Hannah and, and Ad and the team are going after here with, um, with the prophetic and saying, guys, if you've got something going on in your heart, if you feel like you're kind of you're in the middle of worship and, and God's like speaking to you and he's like asking you and he's like maybe prompting you to come up the front and share it, is it's actually really important to say it out loud. In Proverbs, it says that the, uh, that power that there is life and death in the power of the tongue, which is why it's important to speak out what's going on inside of us. Because I feel like in the mid, in in here, is there are things that as you start to speak them out, you start to release that grace on someone. Some of the things that got shared here, if Mike hadn't said that thing about about if you're struggling with sleep, as he as he said it, as he spoke it out, what he's doing is he's releasing grace onto whoever that is in the room who is struggling with sleep. Which is why it's so powerful. It's so good to like not let like fear at times mentor us. Because if it mentors us, then actually we keep things locked in and we're like, I'm not sure if I should say this out loud or, or not say it out loud. Maybe 2018 is a is a year of stepping out our comfort zones and actually valuing, like Mike, he's actually valuing you guys in the room more than his own comfort. Isn't that powerful? That thing about family is that at times I value you more then I value my own comfort, so I step out. Now, Mike doesn't look like he's a nervous guy at all, so he looked like yeah, it was fine for him, but maybe for someone else, it's like, actually, the thought of sharing is like super scary. But actually, in 2018, what would it look like to think, I, I, I am going to share something at church this year? How powerful would that be? I'm going like, to do a milestone. I'm going to get on the front. I'm going to get on the mic. I'm going to release something because as I speak, like God does here, as he models that he creates by speaking. That's why it's so powerful. It's why the prophetic is so powerful. So anyway, and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God starts to create and form in the midst of chaos. Now, as you track down to verse 26, I love this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I love that. I love that we're part of a church that is super empowering of women and men. And I love that here, God's nature, as he's creating his own image, that God's nature was only fully revealed when there was male and female. That's what he required. For God to be fully represented, he needed men and women. Don't you just love that? Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, that's obviously not even an issue here, which is great. Emmaus Road is awesome for that. Um, obviously, when I preach this at other places, sometimes it's a bit of an issue. But here it's not, so come on. So here we have that. And in, in creating um, humanity in his image kind of wrapped up in the creation of humanity in his image is the commission that was given to Adam and Eve. 
that God started to create. And then as he finishes, like his create, as he finishes creating, he then says to at the, the original design, the original purpose for humanity was to carry on taking dominion and subduing the earth. Which I love. I love that right at the beginning, the idea was that humanity was going to start leaving places better off than the way they found it. That's what the intent was. Now, we can read all through the... Well, we obviously can't now, but why don't you just go to Matthew 4, and let's see, and then we'll land this somewhere. Verse 17. So original design, you've got Adam and Eve commissioned to go out from the garden and just start creating and co-creating, co-laboring. I love that one of the, like, that God's nature is revealed in Genesis, that in Genesis 2 we see the story of, of God and Adam, where God brings Adam the animals and he says, you name them. I love that right at the beginning of creation, God has always wanted to co-labor with humanity. Don't you just love that? It feels scary, but also just an amazing privilege. When I think about co-laboring, I'll tell you this story, I might have said it before, um, if I have, I'm sorry, but... The way I imagine co-laboring with God, it's a little bit like uh, Jackson, my son, and the job that we're giving him at the moment, which is teaching him about recycling. Okay? So if I have told you this, I'm sorry, but it, is, it preaches well. Okay? So you'll love it. So one of the things that we're wanting to teach Jackson, we call it training for reigning, because we're wanting to teach him to be a powerful person and well, it's like to manage himself and change the world and all that. So one of the things we're giving him is like teaching about responsibility and how to like own his own decisions and how to just like, you know, contribute to the house and all that. So recycling is one of the jobs that we've given to him. Um, so normally what happens is Em will say to me, Josh, there's quite a lot of recycling in our kitchen. Can you take it and put it in the recycling outside? So I'm like, yep. So I'm like, Jackson we got to do the recycling, and he's like, yes, Dad. So we uh, Now, it's a bit different in our current house because it, the recycling is kept on the floor underneath the breakfast bar. But in our house before in Southampton, it was on top of our fridge where we kept it. Now, Jackson couldn't actually reach up there. So I'd be like, Jackson, we've got to do the recycling. So he's like, yeah, yeah. So he runs into the kitchen, and I'd get him uh, a bottle and maybe like uh, uh, some cereal boxes. And I'd be like, there you go, you can only hold two things. And then we'd walk out to the recycling bin outside, and we'd get there, and he now couldn't put it in there, so i lift him up, and then he'd put it in there, and then we'd run back, and then glass was a bit tricky, because he's only like two and a half, three at this time, so I didn't want him to stack it, so he's like holding like one jar of Pataks, and, um, and he's like walking, he does it. I'm like, Jackson, don't drop it. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then we get there and I have to lift him back up and drop it in. Now, the thing is, all of this is I could, actu- I could actually do the whole job in about five seconds. It's all in a box. I could just pick it up, walk it out, and drop it in the bin. But because I actually want to have a relationship with Jackson, and I actually want Jackson to learn, and I actually want to work with Jackson as his dad, is I actually help him. Now, at the end of this, as he's, I, I'm like lifting him up and then lifting him up. At the end of it, he like runs over to Em and he's like, Mom, I did the recycling. Did you get that? I did the recycling. What I don't say is, whoa, 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 Jay. I mean, you did a little bit, but to be honest, if anyone did anything, it was me. I'm having to lift you and the recycling up into the air, not just the cereal box. Now I'm lifting up my own son and dumping it in. Well, not him, obviously. <laughs> yeah, you say that again, Jackson. I'll throw you in a bin. Um, so that speaks to me of co-laboring with God. 
To be honest, I feel like that's a little bit what it's like. Is that, yeah, God could do it all by himself, but he chooses to work with us. God rarely shows up and actually feeds the poor. People feed the poor. God actually rarely, now there are obviously stories, and we could point to like kind of examples where people just get healed with no one praying for them, but actually rarely does it happen. Quite a lot of the time it happens when someone says, I'll pray for you, and there's this co-laboring moment where together we see the kingdom of God happen. I actually, you know, it blows my mind sometimes. To be honest, it's pretty hard to get your head around, but he wants to co-labor with us. And so we see in Matthew 4, we see this starting. Well, not starting, it's already been Genesis 1, but we see Jesus doing it. 4.17, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, this this story, there's so much in some of these bits of scripture that we've read out. But I love that what we see in this story is God's value for humanity. Now, we've obviously just come out of the Christmas season, and in the Christmas season, we celebrate that moment where the God who is everywhere became somewhere in a baby. And this moment in, in kind of God's plan to save humanity that involved um, God coming down here as a baby and like living his life. And, you know, there's obviously loads in that. But I suppose that story to me just speaks of like God's value for us, that he would come here and then we see that as Jesus is starting his three years of ministry, or I know other people think that it was shorter than that, but let's just say three years, that as he was doing his three years of ministry, he says to the disciples, come and follow me, because I want to teach you so that you can carry it on when I'm gone. I mean, it's powerful. Jesus, what he does in this moment is he's saying, I want you to become fishers of men. Why? Because he loves Humanity. He really loves humanity. That's why he's getting them involved. Because he's like, my mission here is to save humanity. You know, sometimes I think people, like, sometimes I, I don't really understand why we have such a low view of ourselves. Is that God really, really values you. He really loves you. He's actually crazy about you. He thinks you're awesome. He loves you so much he sent his son. And the, the price you're willing to pay for something shows its value. I mean, humanity is super valuable to God. And we see here that he is wanting to co-labor with humanity to save humanity. I also love this. that, And if you are just coming to check out this church and you're thinking about Alpha, is there's this moment where Jesus says, come and follow me. And then twice, the two different sets of disciples, it says they immediately left their nets and followed him. I think it's really interesting because, you know, as Jesus says, come and follow me, and they say yes... I'm convinced that they said yes with, although they did it immediately, um, and I think even the fact that it was immediate shows that there must have been an element of doubt. It's like, yep, I'll follow you, but there's not really any time to it. There, there would have been questions. I mean, it would have been like crazy to not have any questions. 
And to be honest, I think it makes sense there would be questions because I've still got questions. I'm sure we've all still got questions. And so this idea that, um, you know, I suppose I think about this thing, I chat to lots of people about what it is to have faith, and I actually think faith only exists in the context of doubt. That's why faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. Why is that? Now, this is me. This is what I think. The faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. It's the only reason that's the greatest is because the other two you don't need when you get to heaven. You don't need faith and hope when you're stood there face to face. You don't need faith. You actually only need love. But this side of heaven, we have faith and we have hope. And faith only exists in the context of doubt. And it makes sense because in 2 Corinthians, Paul says that as you turn, as you turn to God, the veil is lifted. Now, wouldn't it be so much easier if the veil was lifted and then we turned? You're like, okay, yeah, I can see it all. I get it all. Um, now, now I make my decisions to follow you. Is for, for anyone here, if you're like, I'm not really sure about this relationship with God. I'm not really sure about following Jesus. I've got questions. Is, I suppose what I want to say to you is join the club. We've all got questions. I've got loads of questions. But actually, I love having questions because the questions create tension in me. I'm not tense like I'm anxious, but tension like I've got energy that's driving me towards the throne room. I think everybody in here, put your hand up if you've got a question at the moment that you'd love to, God to give you an answer for right now. Put your hand in the air if you've got a question. All of us. Now, I love that. I love that we've all got a question. And a question is a verb. It has energy. But I suppose for all of us as, as a church family, it's like, what are we doing with that energy? Where has it taken us? Are we driving towards the throne room or, or not? And so... So I'm kind of off topic there. But yeah, if you're thinking about faith, if you're thinking about a relationship with Jesus and you've got questions, definitely do Alpha. You'll get some of them answered. You'll probably get loads more at the end of it, which is great. But anyway, and then we'll land this. Are you worship, pray for each other. It's Jesus. We track through all the Gospels and they are awesome to read. And we see Jesus wherever he went, improving the environment that he found himself in. He's wrecking funerals. He's improving parties. He's adding value to the oppressed, the downtrodden. He's, he's super empowering of women. He's healing people. He's encouraging outrageous things like forgiveness and generosity. And he's just basically improving every environment that he finds himself in. And he calls all of that the kingdom of God arriving. And he basically models what it looks like to see the kingdom of God established in a place. And he, said, and he does it by empowering a group of people who watch him. And then at the end, in the Great Commission, he basically, the way I understand an interpretation of the Great Commission in the way, and what he's done through the gospel, is go and build the kingdom with your friends. As well as that's what I've signed up for. That's what I want to do is build the kingdom with my friends. And like I was kind of saying at the beginning is, he says about us that we are salt and light. And they are both influencers, and they influence in different ways. Light is overt. And at times in the, know, the spheres that we're in is we're going to have to be light. We're going to have to like really show a different way of living. You know, actually, like, really, it's like big, and it's like, this is a way of living, and maybe it is different from where they're at, and maybe it'll be a bit offensive, but Jesus understood the gift of offense at times, but that's for another session. 
And there's light, and it's over, and it's that. But then there's salt. Salt is covert. If you put so much salt on your food, you can see it. That's too much salt. Healthy eating. But salt, normally, you can't tell that it's in there until you eat it, right? You'd hope. But so salt, salt is this thing that just influences. And, and when we put salt all over our food and it changes it and, it and it influences it. And I suppose my challenge to us in the environments that we find ourselves in from kind of tonight or tomorrow or wherever is, what would it look like for us to just start improving the environment that we find ourselves in? The challenge that I gave to the guys at Woking this morning was, um, just use this example. And I suppose from this example, you can see, I wonder how it relates to me, is... When I worked in an office, we had like one of those rotors by the dishwasher, and it had like everyone's name on it, like who should do it. And I said, well, what would it look like just to improve the environment and just to bring kind of this salty, generosity-type kingdom that they don't understand? What would it look like to just go in there on Monday and scribble out everybody's name and just put your name in every slot for a month? And you, you know, and I think the funny thing is, it's quite a challenge if you're the, but that's not fair. You're right, it's not fair. But who signed up for fair, right? I didn't sign up for fair. I signed up to be salt and light. And maybe that is at work. Maybe if you're in a student house and you're like, to be honest, my housemates are just a total nightmare. They just trash everything and I'm the only one who keeps it clean. What would it look like to just all year be the one that keeps it clean? You're like, oh, to be honest, I'm just getting walked all over. Yeah, you are getting walked all over. Isn't that amazing? Oh. I don't know. I'm like Your royalty and your value is not determined by whether you're the one always washing up or not. Now, the funny thing is, and is I, I've talked to this about with one of my brothers. This is my last story. And um, he came to see me. He's, uh, he's called Isaac. Awesome guy. And uh, we had to go out shopping um, before Christmas. And um, we're in a hurry. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but we're like grabbing stuff off the shelves and putting it in my basket. And then I get... and. And this is the thing, is obviously when you're in a supermarket, is you, you buy, you go to the place that you know where the thing is, like the chicken or whatever you're getting. And then got some, I don't know what we got, but anyway, got to another part of the shop and they had something else that was the same, but on an offer. And I was like, well, this is way better. So I just put, I just took out the thing. It's not the right place and swapped it. So now the things that as shouldn't be there is now there. And, um, and I walk away and Isaac says to me, I heard this guy once say that you should leave every environment better off than the way you find it. <laughs> like, bless you, mate. So we sorted that out. Why don't we stand? John and your team, can you come up here? I'd love to pray for us and just commission us into 2018. And then I'll hand over to Hannah and Ad to see what we do. Why don't you just put your, um, put your hand on your heart? That would be good. I always feel like that's a good place to put it if you're feeling commissioned. We'll wait for the moment to be built with the worship team playing something. Can you just... Nice, yes, yeah, getting built. Yeah, God, we thank you for 2018 and we just... Uh, we say yes to the truth that we were born for such a time as this. We all have a decision to believe we were either born for such a time as this or we weren't. And we say yes to believing that we were. 
And so I just pray over every person in this room that we would feel commissioned into 2018 to improve every environment we find ourselves in. To bring your kingdom, to bring light, to bring salt, to, to, to change it. We pray for families that are represented here. Families where there's someone here who's just believing for their family to, who don't yet know Jesus. They're still working on their testimony. We believe that 2018 would be significant for that. I pray for people here who 2018 is a, is a year of decision about what you do after uni or what you do with your job or um, just in front of you there's some decisions. I really feel like actually that, that is a thing. I feel like Holy Spirit's on this is that 2018 is a year where you've got to make some decisions. There's a bit at the end of Romans where Paul, when he's, Romans is his book, it's this like great theological book, but he talks about, as he gets towards the end of it, he, he starts to talk about that some of you are thinking that the holy day is this day and some of you are thinking it's this day. And what he says is such a powerful verse. He says, let each of you be fully convinced in his own mind. You know, that speaks to me is that sometimes the decision isn't right or wrong, but you've just got to make a decision. And so I just commission whoever that is, or if that's people, that in 2018 you would have a confidence rising in you to make kingdom decisions. That you would trust your relationship with God. That you would trust a still small voice that you feel in your heart. And there'd be a confidence to step into destiny, that there'd be a confidence to co-labor with him this year. To see dreams in your heart coming out. That you'd feel, like you'd feel just confidence to share your dreams with people. So yeah, God, I just, I just release that. And I love what Joe said about joy. We just release just joy in 2018. Just joy, joy, joy. Amen.